could you just change this regal figure? He's great. He, I love him. Uh, but could you make him out of tires? Welcome to We Should Know Better, the podcast where we hitchhike across Wikipedia like a bunch of little fact hoppers. I'm your labor dispute, Kyle, and with me, as always, are my union organizers. Hey, uh, I'm Sky. <laughs> and I'm Tim. I'm glad you're here today. Um, all, yeah, all part of our union. I'm an omnibudsman. Wow. What? It's a he, thing. He, an ombudsman. Yeah. Yes. It's a representative, is what he's saying. Right. Oh. But it's official a fans- appointed to investigate individuals' complaints against uh, maladministration. Maladministration is a word, man, especially that of public right. authority. I'm the omnisman for maladministration. Okay, now you're just Homestar Runnering. Yeah, that's kind of. I actually. So, the, the sad part is I actually tried to say both of those correctly. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Anyway, what we do on this show is we run from one page on Wikipedia to another uh, using only the links within those pages. Uh, both Sky and Tim will race tonight from, uh, well, we're starting uh, on one page for the Michelin Guide on Wikipedia. Um, so Michelin Guide is our starting page. And tonight you're going to be uh, running to Rhinoceros. Oh, no. Um, I definitely was like Michigan Michelin Guide, like... Is this going to be the tires guy? Guess what? But it's we'll not. learn about it. Oh, wait. It is. Oh, wow. Yes. There's some oh, history. No. We'll I did learn. know a little bit about that they were. Con- oh, no. Sky. They're we're, connected, we're... and my mind was like, no, nah, it's not, though. Right. <laughs> like, not enough time to pass it. It's like, no, they're not, because that's wild. Because that's silly. That, that Unwanted happen. stars. Oh, no, this page looks great. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad I'm up to your standards, but I guess, guys, we're going to have to see if you guys are up to my standards for our opening game. Uh, I gave you both a brief to fulfill uh, yesterday or not yesterday, but earlier today. Sorry about that. Um, I figured, you know, you know, the theme that I'm going for tonight is I learned some things about the Michelin Guide recently <laughs> because I looked it up. I was like, oh, this is weird. And I decided that, you know, one of the things I was trying to think about uh, how I was going to theme tonight, and uh, I'm trying not to be super depressing about uh, dealing with things like uh, the Amazon burning and things like that, although that's been in my mind a lot. Uh And I'm like, how do we get rich people to care about animals? I know. Let's talk about, you know, like cat cafes. People love cat cafes. Mm -hmm. But what if we made... A cafe with animals that would, I don't know, suit the rich. So I asked both of you guys to come up with the snootiest possible, uh, the elevator pitch for the snootiest possible um, animal cafe uh, pitch that, you, uh, that you'd that you like to get off the ground. Imagine that uh, I am, uh, you know, that this is like an episode of Shark Tank or something. I am sitting here in my chair. I have my fingers steepled uh, thoughtfully. Oh, boy. And I'm, I'm leaning toward the microphone. Uh, just, you know, with a very intense stare. Uh, and I would love to hear about your pitches for these for these uh, cat, for these these animal cafes. And the winning one tonight uh, will not only get funded, uh, you get to go first uh, in our in our race. So uh, who would You're like to go first? You're going to give us money? I mean, in as much, in as much as with Monopoly money, probably. But 
you know? Oh. You I mean, know? that's that's pretty much how Shark Tank works, oh, too. Oh, no. No, guys, actually, no. What am I thinking? Uh, no, I'm funding it only because these are animal cafes. I'm funding it through Dogcoin, so. Great. Um, nice. Got to get those memes in where I can. Uh, who would like to go first? I'll go first. All right. Okay. What do you got, Tim? So, you're a rich person. You want to eat. What is the most inconvenient part about your meal? Obviously. It's still alive? No, no, obviously oh. it's wiping your face. <laughs> okay. Napkins, you know, they're inconvenient. You have to use your own hand to grab it, put it up to your mm. face. It's terrible. So difficult, yeah. At my animal cafe, all you have sure. to do is lean back onto the floor. Okay. And a fluffy baby harp seal will roll across your face. <laughs> Picking up any loose food <laughs> items that may be there. Now, I know what you're saying. Okay, all right. Tim, I am a rich person. I might not always want to just lie back. Right. That's fair. That's why I also have ceiling seals. <laughs> oh, no. That are on fishing line, wrapped up nicely, and at your request, no. will be spooled down to the level of your mouth for you to wipe. <laughs> It is an animal cafe that I call Kissed with a Seal. Mmm. Beautiful. Tim, that's that's gorgeous. I'm I'm very impressed. Thank you. Uh I, I need to know, uh I have just a couple questions for you before I decide to fund or not. Of course. Um is are these seals trained? Uh yes. So I want to know what is the training like to get these seals to wipe people's faces you uh with... you sit them in front of uh, rhythm heaven sure <laughs> okay there we go and you, you show... teach them how to roll on command right right the and the ones still... hanging from the ceiling i mean they don't even need to be trained they're just on the ceiling and they're lowered <laughs> they're lowered by by uh by the uh the staff um do the seals receive any kind of compensation they get to uh, groom each other at the end. Great. And whatever delectable morsels are within each other's fur, they get to have. Uh, it's a lot uh, like sharing tips. <laughs> um, I think the hardest part, though, is going to get the seals. Like, you can teach them to roll, but to feel good about, like, rolling onto a person. <laughs> so I think you just, like, show them a video about how, like, Jeff Bezos makes, like, 3,000-some dollars yeah. a second. And yeah. then they're good to go. Well, you'll yeah. That'll make roll them. The that'll ridge. make them roll onto their faces, but not roll off of their faces. Mm, Just have true. them try to smother them. You know what? Well. Though, <laughs> if I was judging, I think that would get some. Yeah, <laughs> get me points. Um, I I need to know. Uh, just um, just because yes, of course they're trained and everything else. Uh. But can you adopt the seals after, uh, at some point, you know, or as you're leaving, can you adopt the seals? I mean, if you're rich, of course. Ah, well, you can just well done. Buy a you seal. know the answers. I mean, yeah. Tim, I, I, I adore this, but I do have to listen to another uh, another uh, pitch here. I know uh, you're for obligated. Time. Yeah, no, no, no. This is uh, oh, I, thanks, I, guys. I, no, I want to make sure I want to make sure that I keep my options open. I appreciate your time, and uh, you know, I'm I'm glad you really uh, put together a great presentation. Uh, Sky, what do you have for? I me? only have five bucks. I, I wish that's how um, 
that is not how Shark Tank works, right? It's no, not like I know. we <laughs> only have enough money to fund one of you. I no. kind of wish it did. But, uh, okay, so, like, when you were saying, like, oh, I don't want to, you know, think about depressing things like the rain, the rainforest and stuff. Of course, of course. Um, my original plan was <laughs> a depressing thing where it would just be, like, the, the cutest, most endangered animals because rich people would just, like, want to, yeah, like, be able to pet, like, the last, you know, animal of a of a species um, yep. while drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. So instead, I narrowed it down. Okay. Imagine a cat cafe. I am. Always. They built it. <laughs> it's, it's got the same stuff as a cat cafe has. Scratching posts, everything. Okay. Except you replace the cats with pygmy hippopotamus. Oh, my gosh. And they, they're they just, like, running around, climbing on stuff, maybe. Um, just having a good time. Uh, the rich would like it because they are cute and small. Yes. And, like, they're, like, one of the animals that a Bond villain would have. <laughs> um, and that's appealing to rich people. That's true. Um, Extremely. This cafe would be called... Uh, hippo hippopotamus. Okay, <laughs> and walk, they would sell walk, tea. Walk, and you walk get a me free, through this. Okay, you get a you get a, a free cup of tea when you uh, <laughs> pay to go in. You pay like five hundred dollars <laughs> to go hang out with this hippopotamus, and the tea is safe for the hippos. So okay, you can feed it to them. Well, you you um, already answered my first question, so good. That's good. Yes. Also, uh, you could probably like once it cools down, pour the tea on them, and they would probably like that. Oh wow! Oh, that's so true. Maybe. Oh no! This is ultimate. This is ultimate. Uh, rich people. Uh, there's actually just like small pools in the cafe of tea, like cool tea. Yeah. And the hippos are like lounging in there. It's like you can just take a dip. You can just dip oh. dip your cup cuppa in there, and mm, oh, it really add something something you can't get otherwise oh yeah ab- absolutely that's i mean that that's frowned upon in most societies you just have this guy little guy floating in your tea it's a little ears wiggling oh no yeah um <clears throat> all right sky a couple questions uh like are, giant tardigrades what's that they're like <laughs> giant tardigrades oh yeah mm-hmm. absolutely oh my gosh those little ears um all right so uh first off yeah, again, are these hippos trained in any way? Do they do anything other than lounge? Um I th- no, I think that they maybe we train them to like scratch on the post cuz that would be cute. But okay. other than that, I think they just kind of got to be hippos. All right. All right. Um, um and are you retaining enough counsel for the inevitable moment when one of them rips an arm off one of your patrons? Absolutely not. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's all I need to know. That's actually uh, the end goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, Tim, I and, okay. And Sky, I will be te- teaching them to do one thing. I'm sorry. Oh? Oh, Looking yeah. at these pictures of hippos, oh, blep no. on command. Yeah, oh, that's happening. I mean, oh. uh, clearly, yes. Wait, they don't do that already? <laughs> I thought they came it's that like way. A giant coconut with a tongue. <laughs> if you just stare yeah. at its snout. It does that kind is, of does. It does look like yeah, it's true. Oh, so good. Um, all right. Well, uh, Tim, Sky, I'm I'm glad. I appreciate you both uh, coming and giving your your presentations. 
Um, I, I, I want you to know that I steepled my fingers together very intensely while I was considering this. I could see the sparks. Yes. Um, I could hear I, them. <laughs> I think, I think Sky wins this one simply okay. because Tim, Tim, I really like your concept a lot. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I think the only thing, um, you know, I, I like your idea. Um, uh-huh. but Sky's uh Sky's interpretation here literally involves eating the rich and I I have to go with it. So uh yeah. Uh the uh hippopot on us uh is uh, is the winner tonight, I think. Thanks, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> I also think that Tim's idea is very good and the seals oh, yeah. and the hippos we'll be talking after this. I think yes. we can make that work. Oh my gosh, bring them together. Bring yes. them together and we can make this one whole experience. We can suffocate and, <laughs> and maim. Oh my gosh. Uh, what uh, are we doing? We're awful. I mean, no, no, we're we're doing we're doing our best, you guys. Uh in the meantime, you want to know about some other people who are doing their best. Uh Sky, you're gonna start us off on the Michelin guide, and we're gonna go to the animal that I had chosen uh to have a cat ca- oh. cafe built around the rhinoceros. Um Wow, Not, we had similar well, things. Yeah, well, partially because I was thinking. Yeah, you actually came along the lines that I was thinking. Uh, they are in. Uh, people always think that they're, uh, you know, angry and upset, and you know, they're cantankerous and everything. They're actually super docile, uh, and uh, you know, they they do what they they do what they have to do. Uh, and I mean. I, that's another animal that I can't imagine wanting, being around for so long and not wanting to be like, I want to protect this thing. Like, if you see it up close, you just want to give them a hug. Or at least I do. So, mm-hmm. and I might be weird because I also like a lot of other animals too. Uh, and, you know, but still. Um, yeah, that's, I, and also I imagine in my... Uh, in my cafe, the the rhinos would actually also sometimes double as uh, as, as the servers uh, because oh, they're because nice. their backs are so big, like you mm-hmm. could fit an entire table on one of those things. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and they're they're real chill. They would just kind of hang out while you just you know you have a snack, you pet them, uh, you end up wanting to give it a home, and you help help sustain the environment in the in the meantime. So yeah, that's the idea. Anyway, yeah, just put rhinos in a cafe. It's it's helping the rhinos. I also <laughs> may possibly have built this entire thing around putting like a rhino-like animal inside a china shop type of, type of. Yeah, type. I was gonna say I'm just imagining a building like you know you got to like the rhinoceros cafe when you just see this building <laughs> with like tattered walls on the outside where the rhinos have busted out and they've like yeah. had to like patch up. <laughs> <laughs> To patch up the walls, but it's built um, with love, Sky. <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, let's talk about the Michelin so guide. There's, there's this guide. It's uh, it's neat. Yep. It's uh, it's annually published. Um, it's the old uh, it's what the term normally refers to the annually published Michelin Red Guide, the oldest European hotel and restaurant reference guide which awards up to three Michelin stars for excellence to a select few establishments. The acquisition or loss of a star can have dramatic effects on the success of a restaurant. Citation needed. 
Yeah. Uh, Michelin also <laughs> publishes a series of general guides to cities, regions, countries. Um, they're called the Green Guides. Uh, colors are easy. So, yeah. man, do we just go through the history here? In 1990, there were fewer than 3,000 cards on the road to France. Uh, 1900. In 1900. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Remember, I I said I am tired. Um, it's okay. When I was out and about today, I was like, just, I knew I was like off. I'm like, man, I'm just like not act. Like, I would like respond to people weirdly. And I'm like, I've, I'm actually like really tired oh, um, no. to the point where I can't function. Yeah. Um to uh, to increase the demand of cars and accordingly car tires, car tire manufacturers and brothers, Ed- Edouard, yeah. Edouard and Andre Michelin published a guide for French motorists in nineteen ni- in nineteen ninety in nineteen hundred. The Michelin <laughs> guide. It says nineteen hundred like three more times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, get strap in. Um, nearly 35,000 copies of this first free edition of the guide were distributed. It provided useful information to motorists, such as maps, tire tire repair and replacement instructions, car mechanic listings, hotels, and petrol stations throughout France. Sounds Uh, cool. Four years later, they published a guide to Belgium. Sure, great. Um, Uh Let's see. There's just a bunch of guides that they made during World War One. It was suspended. After the war, they did revised editions. I do want to point. Yes, uh, they yeah they revised editions of the guide. They used to give them away until 1920. So for 20 years, totally free guide. We just want you to buy our tires. You know, good job. Uh, it said that Andre Michelin, uh, well, whilst whilst wow, I didn't notice the whilst before. Uh, nice work, uh, you know, uh, Wikipedia editor there. Whilst, whilst. Uh, visiting. A visiting a tire merchant noticed copies of the guide being used to prop up a workbench, and I mean, like, dude, you've been giving them away. Yeah, he says, uh, uh, based on the principle that quote, man only truly respects what he pays for. End quote. Oh, Michelin. (laughs) Oh man, the sunset's good, but screw it, I didn't pay for it. Michelin decided to charge a price for the guide, which was about. But consider, remember that you only truly respect what you pay for. But uh, you know, in this case, he ch- charged uh, about seven hundred fifty francs, or two two dollars fifteen cents in nineteen twenty two. So, like, I guess you you respect what you pay for, but I also I I think the corollary there being you get what you pay for, and if you're only charging two dollars, that's got to feel like oh, well, this must be very cheap. Yeah. Hmm. I can use this to prop up my workbench. Wild. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, it was around that time when they started recruiting. Oh, sorry. Oh. What? Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying it was around that time as well that they started recruiting actual, like, secret inspectors to view and re- visit and Ooh. review restaurants. Oh, I see. They were always anonymous, and that's cited, and I love that it's cited. That is great. We're always mm-hmm. anonymous. Um, the guides began to award stars for fine dining establishments in 1926. Um, initially, there was only a single star awarded. You just got, <laughs> you just got one or you didn't. Yep. Uh, which it seems dumb. Like, it seems like... <laughs> I guess maybe there's like some like they have lists of restaurants they describe them but like the good ones get one star 
I guess yeah. that makes sense. I was just picturing like if you're included, you get a star. And it's like yeah. mm. in 1931, the hierarchy of zero, one, two, and three stars were introduced. And then 1936. Oh, I'm sorry, I got so many ones. Uh, in 1936, the criteria of the star rankings were published. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, if you would read them, I will read the French if you like. I'm just trying oh, to, so do. they introduced the stars, and then finally in 1936, the criteria for the starred rankings were published. Like they just it's, had oh, given the star This is how yeah. this is how yes. they actually, yeah. Yes. Uh, one star, a very good restaurant in its category. Un très bon table dans ses catégories. Uh, excellent cooking, worth a detour. Table excellent, mérité un détour. All right, and three stars, exceptional cuisine, worth a special journey. <laughs> I I just really like uh, the meilleur here is um, it is it is an excellent table is the actual phrase that it's saying. That's un, great. Un des meilleurs tables vote le voyage. In 1931, the cover of the guide was changed from blue to red and has remained so in all subsequent editions. To declare danger. They suspend- <laughs> <laughs> to all predators, yes. <laughs> they suspended it in World War II. But at the request of the Allied forces, the 1939 guide to France was specially replanted, re, re, <laughs> reprinted for, for military use. Its maps were judged the best and most up-to-date available. Wow. How wild is that? Yeah. Publication of the annual guide resumed on May on 16 May 1945, a week after v, VE Day. Um, talking more about the about the war. Um, da, 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 da. 2005 is when we got our first American guide. Yep, there are not many American. Uh, I, I looked on the list; there aren't a ton uh, listed for America. It's not a not a a, a really great guide. <laughs> great. Um, or rather, I'm sorry when I when I say that we don't have a lot of three star restaurants. Is what I mean to say. Gotcha. We have we have a lot of restaurants, not a ton of threes. No, we haven't been around that long. True. Um, man, these lo- the food on here looks like like I wasn't really thinking about it, and some of these look like bugs, and I was like, yep. "Oh, weird bugs!" And then I'm like, "Wait, no, that's food. No, that's foods. <laughs> that's foods. Those bugs, bugs are foods. Bugs can be foods. Oh, um, I suppose you're right. Yeah. Let's see what else we got here. The stars. Um. So like, there is a a cover here of, of what looks like the Michelin Man. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So done... is his name. Yeah. Yeah. Michelin Tire Co. There he is. Yeah, he's smoking, smoking a, cigar, a cigar, which is a thing that a tire should neck. not be doing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's real creepy. He just kind of like opens his face to eat yeah. things. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. In in material or like marketing materials, it's real weird. And he has a human hand. Yep. Is it, it, By which I mean... There are two human hands. It's not just a single. <laughs> he does not just have a single human hand that he's proven. holding. The other one's not visible. <laughs> this is an audio medium, uh, Tim. <laughs> no one, like, it's not, he's not just holding a human hand. <laughs> it could be. It could just uh, be stuck I, into his stump. Oh, no. Yep. I guess you're oh, right. No. I didn't consider that. I mean, where do you uh, think he got that cigar? He just, <laughs> he just murdered some CEO. <laughs> using his hand in cigar oh no um i mean he's gone through his years too 
it talks about the the anonymous inspectors here it says many of the top executives have never actually met an inspect inspector inspector themselves are advised not to disclose their line of work even to their parents who might be tempted to boast about it because if heck? you if you know who it is <laughs> you can just ratatouille and get all the stars yep. you want exactly <laughs> be like, like hey that's... here's our special dish for you it's, it's Ratatouille. Nope. <laughs> We've seen the movie. No, unless you're in America. <laughs> if it's in America, it's here's a bowl of macaroni and cheese with hot dog yes. cut up in it and some oh. great blue dini Kool-Aid. Oh, my gosh. Tim, don't call me out like that. That's not, <laughs> that's not cool. Just like mom used to make. To this day, I have trouble eating macaroni and cheese. I mean, one, because it's dairy, but also, like, yeah. because we had so much of it as a kid. Yeah, same here. And, like, in college, <laughs> I ate a bunch of it. Oh, wow. And I think I've told the story of one of my roommates, like, being, yes! so, having to go to the hospital because he ate so much mac and cheese. And <laughs> you, you see that, and you're like, man, I'm good. Um, they ranked Japan in 2010 as the country with the most starred restaurants yep um well it ranked they didn't rank <laughs> they're like this we've ranked it as the most stars you know uh they said that they were questioned whether it was merited or whether they were too generous in giving stars out to gain an acceptance with japanese customers and to enable the par- parent tire selling company to market itself in japan mm. <laughs> uh some japanese chefs were surprised at receiving a star according to the wall street Jour- journal and were reluctant to accept one because the publicity caused an unmanageable jump in booking, affecting their ability to serve their traditional customers without lowering their quality. I mean, I feel like having that kind of care about wanting to be able to serve your customers uh, 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 very well, that means you probably deserve a star. <laughs> like, if you don't want a star, you, you want to you give the stars to the people who don't want them. That's what you should, you know, it's the same thing about being a being a leader the person who who should be the leader is the person who doesn't want to be the leader that's that's the <laughs> that's how it works yeah. yeah i guess that makes sense hmm. um the other thing here is that they um i like the allegations of prejudice for french cuisine uh they mentioned here uh to do um in the when Michelin published its first New York City Red Guide in 2005, Stephen Kurtz of the New York Times noted that Danny Meyer's Union Square Cafe, a restaurant highly rated by the New York Times, uh, Zagat Survey, and other prominent guides received a no-star rating from Michelin. Um, however, uh, he did, however, acknowledge the restaurant received positive mentions for its ambiance, and the other two restaurants received, uh, owned by Meyer's received stars. Um, so he says... Uh, Kurtz also claimed that the guide fa- appeared to favor restaurants that, quote, emphasized formality and presentation, end quote, rather than, quote, a casual approach to fine dining, end quote. Uh, he also claimed that over half the restaurants that received one or two stars could be considered French. That's oh. cited. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, he's just saying that, to me, it sounds like uh, what he is alleging here is that the I don't know the people who run this this rating organization, uh, who come from a culture that has le- list, lifted a certain kind of restaurant to their to the highest level, quote unquote. Uh, when they go other places, they probably expect to see the same thing. Feels uh, uh, like like judging yeah. apples and oranges here a little bit, but you know who am I who am I to judge? 
I mean, Babendum has a human hand, so like I'm afraid of him. So <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, man, where do I go? <laughs> yes, guy, where do you go? Hmm. I see. Let's see what we got. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I wanted to There's give you guys chicken, lots rice to work noodle. with. Yeah, they don't really not... have guides for Africa. <laughs> don't link weird. Mm. Um, weird. Uh, they have a Michelin Man here. I could click on Michelin Man. <laughs> Are you going to click on Michelin Man? <laughs> He's kind of rhinocerosy. It's not wrong. That's, I wish that's the movie actually... Ratatouille was here, because then that would get me to animated films. And there's rhinos in animated films. Wow. Um, let's see. Sake. No, that's not a tell-all book. I just kind of want to go to tell-all book. Yeah. Um, that I seems mean, who doesn't? Good. I'm going to click on tell-all book. It says uh, here, Pascal Remy, a veteran friend-based Michigan or Michigan <laughs> Michelin yep. inspector and also a former Galt Milau employee sure. wrote sure. a tell-all book published in 2004 entitled help me out l'inspector simet le table inspector table yeah uh, the, inspector the inspector sits table. down at the table uh, which is idiomatically the inspector spills the beans or, which is great or the inspector lays it all on the table. Ew. Or, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just a really good title, though. But like, it couldn't be like uh, the inspector lays out the raw cuts of meat, or like the inspector, yeah. <laughs> like the inspector dices the onions, or like, like it's just like you could do so many things with with different foods there. But it's very. It it gets you, <laughs> man. Uh, yeah, he puts it out like how you'd think being an inspector would probably be. Oh, uh, but but read it though, because all right, I, I'll yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Remy uh, describes the French Michelin inspector's life as lonely, underpaid drudgery, driving around France for weeks on end, dining alone, and under intense pressure to file detailed reports on strict deadlines. All right. He, that's what he's saying. Do you know what I'm hearing? Uh, drive through all throughout scenic France, eat for free at Michelin star rated restaurants every night and write your notes about them that night. I mean, like, why is that difficult? Yeah. That does not sound. Uh, I and then, don't know, though. And, but, well, if that doesn't enjoy sell that you, food, if you're like, oh, I'm going to have to make sure I think about this very hard. Well, if that doesn't sell you on on like I just want to go home <laughs> on his whining, uh, he says uh, he maintained that the guide had become lax in its standards. Ooh. Uh, though Michelin states that its inspectors visit all four thousand reviewed restaurants in France every eighteen months, in all starred restaurants several times a year, Mich- uh, Remy said that only only about one visit every three and a half years was possible. Because there were only 11 inspectors in France when he was hired, rather than the 50 or more hired by Michelin. That number, he said, had shrunk to five by the time he, had been, by the time he was fired in December 2003. Hey, Remy, maybe they just didn't bring you in on the circle on how many people had been were inspectors. 
because you had a bad attitude about this. Maybe. A lot of, a lot of defense for the Michelin uh, guide here. Apparently. Oh, I didn't know I... Surprised. I, I didn't know I felt this way, but also like, dude, you're eating a lot of really nice food. I, you know what? You know what? I am... I, I, I'm being hypocritical here. Yeah, you're right. Because I should be on the side of the worker. Uh, this it's is fine. It's <laughs> this. I, I am. I'm literally doing the 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 game dev crunch uh, argument right now as I think about it. Okay, oh, fine. So I bad. take it back. <laughs> well, I mean, eating eating food, I guess, is different than building the making. A, a <laughs> I suppose that's true. But, um, but it doesn't. He doesn't say that he doesn't get compensated. Well, he does. You know, any of says that. Says he's underpaid. Like, oh, does it? Okay, I missed that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, underpaid drudgery. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I bet it's great at first, and then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to eat another <laughs> freaking like uh, another, critter. Yeah, another uh, souffle that looks like a bug. And like, look, look, look. It's not real food. It's like it's like <sighs> two pieces of food draped over some garbage. <laughs> well. I'll tell you how <laughs> That's to fix how fancy that sky. food is. Look, look like at plate. all these. Go ahead. Yeah, look at all these weird little glazes that they do. It's ridiculous. Yes, it's just glazes on glazes. <laughs> I tell you how to fix this: is that you change the ratings of your guide and start making. I don't know the place that makes mac and cheese uh, get a better rating, and suddenly, voila, <laughs> you will have you will have restaurants start to try to do that instead. Instead yeah, please of. Do. Instead of making a small white cube with with a yellow stripe on top of, I still I don't know what that's supposed to be. I don't know. I, I've been looking at these, and like the thing is, they don't describe. It just says like a no. course in a in a Michelin star restaurant in Geneva, oh. Geneva, Switzerland, or a course in Tokyo, Japan. It doesn't tell you what it is. No, Sky, it does. Let me uh, let me just read off the file names for wait, you because wait. when you click through. I'm going to guess first. Okay. Which one uh, are you looking start, at? Uh, well, start from the top left because apparently I've got them all. Uh, which okay. one is that? Uh, top left of the uh, – I'm looking at the dishes made by Michelin star uh, Michelin star restaurants on the on the right side. It's the little collage. Is it the one uh, in Helsinki? N- no. Oh, I see. Yep. Hang on. You got it? The methods and layout section? Okay. Yeah, All right, that first so one is Jello. I will um, say, hang on. Uh, first one, I don't have the name for. That one, I don't have the name of that. Okay, of so that this will be food. a freebie. That's Jello with yeah. like uh, um, those like crispy little fries that are overdone. Good, good. And some like gelatin on top. Just yes. oh, just doing it. Yeah. Uh, the second one, that's gar- that's garlic. Um, that's like a, a garlic uh uh, Salisbury steak with <laughs> with foam. <laughs> so uh, the file name for that one is called Sound of the Sea. Oh, oh right. so you don't actually have like what these are made out of. You have some, the names some of, of them the actually are. Some of okay. them actually are. Uh, but this that one is just called Sound of the Sea. This one is a strawberry that has been skinned. You're going to love this. Uh, with a little flake of like... Um, it's like burnt caramel, I guess, and uh-huh. a pool of ranch dressing. <laughs> uh, it says that is salmon and licorice gel. Oh, that wow! That sounds bad. Um, <laughs> I think we're gonna do one more of these because I just realized that this is very bad for an audio medium. 
I actually am realizing that I don't know if these are in from the top left, but do you want me oh just to gosh. read the names of them? What no, are this, no, this is just a piece of salmon on SpaghettiOs. <laughs> yes, that you're you're correct. Okay. So let me let me just read the names of the rest of these because this one's like bacon on a chicken nugget. You're not wrong. That's pretty close. Man. Um, okay. So salmon and licorice gel. Uh, there's one called one of the files is called snail porridge. Um, uh, Ballantine uh, of Anjou pigeon, uh, foie gras, nitro scrambled egg and bacon ice cream. What? I don't know which that is. I'm really curious. Uh, mango and Douglas fir puree. Mango. Let me just say that again. Mango and Douglas fir puree. That's got to be the this one. <laughs> uh, one. Like on the second second uh, row. Oh, I see it. Yes, column. you're right. That is it. Yeah. Uh, Porkbelly.jpg. Yeah, that's the one on SpaghettiOs. That's pork on on SpaghettiOs, uh, I think, right? Truffle toast, which I think is the bottom left. Yeah. Uh, oyster and passion fruit jelly. Sure. Um, gross. A- carrot and orange lolly. Oh, that's got to be the bottom right. Uh, yes. And then uh, the red cabbage gazpacho. Oh my gosh! Are so- these? Can I just click on the actual things? Oh my gosh! Okay, yes, I can tell you which are which because it. Yeah, they. If you click on the individual file names, it'll take you to the actual things. Oh, man, uh, which one is the salmon and licorice gel? Yep, that's exactly what I thought it was. Hang on one second. I got to share this with you because, well, yeah. maybe maybe I don't. It's pretty bad. Uh, so now imagine yeah, you're driving around beautiful France, but you're eating this shit every day. <laughs> you know what? You're right, Sky. I stand wholly corrected. I'm not trying to correct you, but you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I can see where uh, it's coming from. Yeah, I'll cancel myself on this one. I'm sorry. But, oh, wow. All right, so you're going to... What seems to be clicking through to unauthorized biography. Oh, great. I'm so happy. That doesn't sound as fun. Um, uh, Tim. Hello. What would you like to click? Uh, I Michelin Man was my first choice that I was going to click on. So since Sky's not taking it, I will. I'm cool. so glad. Uh, unauthorized biography. Um, <clears throat> tell all redirects here. Uh, Kiss and Tell um, redirects here. It says, Tell All redirects here for the novel. See Tell All. Kiss and Tell redirects here for other uses. See Kiss and Tell. Ooh. Um, It's a biography written without the subject's permission or input. Um, It's not usually applied to biographies of historical figures written long after their deaths. That's just history, folks. That's just a biography. (laughs) No one. Yeah. Um. Unauthorized biographies are not necessarily unwelcomed by their subjects, and in fact, some unauthorized biographies have been criticized for displaying overeager admiration for them. Mm. However, unauthorized autobiographies have a wide, wider reputation for fueling controversy and painting unflattering portraits of their subjects. So we know this. They do scandals and stuff, memoirs. Um, they may be considered more objective but less reliable than other bi- uh, biographies. Those are Makes opposites. Sense. Mm. Mhm. Okay. More objective but less reliable. I mean, um how can you be more <laughs> objective and not mm, okay, not be sorry. reliable because obje- objectivity kind of has 
for liability inherently. Yeah, because if you're not being reliable, then you're being subjective. Yeah. But if you're more reliable, okay, whatever. Because they are not subject to the subjects. Subject. <laughs> it says because they are not subject to the subjects, yeah. and then in parens, subjective approval, and therefore may contain accurate information that the subject would not have authorized, but are also not privy to information or corrections known only to the subject or the subject's close friends and family. Why are you writing a book if you don't have? Mm, okay. The money. Yeah, you're right. Um, That's cited, too. Wow. First Amendment speech, something about that. <laughs> the subjects of unauthorized biographies are almost always public figures. I would love a... Uh, <laughs> Carl, my next-door yeah. neighbor. <laughs> uh, uh, I think that's just a novel, though, at that point, right? <laughs> yeah. If you do that, you just wrote a novel. Mm. I guess so. You just got to change the names. Yeah. Yeah, uh, not much here that is interesting. Um, it, busybody-ish is linked here, and it takes me to Busybody. That's great. That's true. Yes. Um, right to privacy, monetary damages. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, rhinos probably do that. Monetary damages. Monetary damages. Oh, so good. Oh no, <laughs> we're gonna have a great show tonight, you guys. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh. Tim, help me out. The Michelin Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, by Bendem, or Bibendum, commonly referred to in English as the Michelin Man or Michelin Tire Man, if you want to be <laughs> a little bit more uh, creepy. <laughs> yep. Is the official mascot of the Michelin Tire Company. Introduced at the Lion Exhibition of 1894, where the Michelin Brothers had a stand. One of the world's oldest trademarks. What? Um, Is that... Uh, is that true? Yeah. It's not cited. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. The slogan w- "Nunc es bibendum." Now is the time to drink. It's taken yep. from Horace's odes. He's also referred to as Bib or Bibelobis. Okay. Bibelobis, hey, Bibelobis! Michelin dominated the French tire industry for decades. Remains a leading player in the market. Talks about the famous guidebooks. Um. Do 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 do. Uh, development uh, of as, what? Yeah, no, he was de- depicted visually as a lord of industry, a Great. master of all he surveyed, and a patriotic exponent of the French spirit. A living to tire this. man. That's not cited. Someone on Wikipedia just thinks that. So, while attending the Universal and Colonial Exposition in Lyon in 1894, Edouard and André Michelin noticed a stack of tires. They suggested to Edward the figure of a man without arms. Oh, oh man. Gosh. Sure. Four years later, André met French cartoonist Marius Rosselon, popularly sure. known as O'Gallop. Oh, that's such a good name. Who showed him a rejected image he had created for a Munich brewery, a large regal figure holding a huge <laughs> glass of beer, and quoting <laughs> Horace's phrase, Nuncus by Bendem. André immediately suggested replacing the man with a figure made from tires. <laughs> You know what, what you do? Andre, you looked at Andre. him, confused. <laughs> Marius, can I call you O'Gallop? O'Gallop. <laughs> I love this. Don't change a thing except change one one small thing. <laughs> uh, could you just change this regal figure? He's great. He, I love him. Uh, but could you make him out of tires? 
So I always assumed that bibendum was like some kind of compound or something that was in the tires. No. It just means like to drink? Yes. It's it so does. weird. Huh. Um, see here. It is unclear when the word bibendum came to be the name of the character himself. At the latest, it was in 1908 when Michelin commissioned Kernansky to write a newspaper column signed by Bendham. In 1922, Michelin ran a contest for naming the Michelin Tire Man in the United States. And it doesn't say what, <laughs> what resulted from that. They don't say what that. the answer is. Well, obviously wasn't great. <laughs> we just got a bunch of tire McTire faces that are like, nope, we're just going with Bendham. Um, guys, I would just like to point out on this uh this poster that they show here uh made by O'Gallop uh by Marius um okay yeah Babendum's great he's got human hands he's drinking up what looks like broken glass and nails and I mean, whatever else he just looks like a fat bougie mummy he re- <laughs> <laughs> there's something very Teddy Roosevelt about yes. him to me and I don't know why yes um but guys, check out because the... it looks like a big mustache. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Check out the the other brands of tires on the right and left left of Babendum here, uh, the Tire X and Tire Y, and they look like they're melting, and it's very upsetting. I yeah. I don't know what to do with it, and it's it's making me like I'm having some kind of gut reaction, and I don't like it. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you. Great, thank you. I, it's also it's horrifying. <laughs> His shape has changed over the years. O'Gallop's logo was based on bicycle tires, wore pince-nez glasses with a lanyard, and smoked a cigar. By the 1980s, by Bendham was being shown running. <laughs> And in 1998, <laughs> his 100th anniversary, a slimmed-down version became the company's new logo. He has long since given up the cigar and pince-nez. So what, he wears contacts? Yeah, 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 yeah. They have a, they have a contact patch on each one of his eyes. Wherever, I guess, are, are his eyes in one place or is it just like between two tires? Like, oof. Yep. See here. In popular culture, by Benda made a brief guest appearance in the Asterix series as the chariot wheel dealer in certain translations. Okay. You're kidding me. Nope. That's hilarious. Uh, in the 2009 animated Academy Award-winning satire Logorama, a series of Bibendum's play police detectives, a sheriff, and a squad of SWAT personnel who all work together to try to bring down a psychotic, ultra-violent criminal played by Ronald McDonald. Amazing. Wow. Okay. In the French-dubbed version of Ghostbusters, the giant stay-puffed marshmallow man is named Bibendum Shamalo, or Shamalow. Chamalo? That word being a common no, mispronunciation of marshmallow probably. in France. Oh, it's so good. Uh, so good. So I uh, am... Hmm. I have a theory. I'm what do you got? I'm going to click on pince-nez. Whoa. Because it deals with nose. Oh. And that could go to maybe... A lot of things. Rhino? That's a good. That's a good plan. Yeah, I like it. I could go several ways to Rhino. I can't help. I can't wait to see the pictures that are in in this because I hope I'm really hoping for some people who look very uncomfortable with pince-nez glasses on. It's just one. Oh, still. Oh. But it's a famous dude. Sky. Oh, good. 
Is he white? Yep. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sky, what do you got as far as damages goes? You know, damages, common law damages are a remedy in the form of monetary award to be paid to claim it as compensation for loss or injury. Oh, I tried yeah, to look for that. something entertaining on here. There's nothing. Really? Uh, wow. Not really. It just talks about pretty straightforward things. Well, um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to click on monetary to go to money. <laughs> You're just clicking monetary? Just yep. straight to monetary I can't itself? I have never okay. been to money. That's a good point. Yeah, but we're here now. All right. Uh, Tim, Pinsnez. Yep. Uh, they're plural. The plural form is same as the singular. Uh, a style of glasses oh, like popular in the late 19th and early 20th centuries that are supported without earpieces by pinching the bridge of the nose. The name comes from the French pincer to pinch and nez, nose. Nose is not <laughs> linked, unfortunately. That That is unfortunate, yes. Um, and the person uh, on this page shown sporting these special glasses is Anton Chekhov. Oh, very good. And you know that whenever Chekhov's glasses are shown here, they're going to go off. They're they're going to fall off. That's right. (laughs) They just explode. Shoot somebody with them. Yeah. (laughs) See here. The earliest form of eyewear for which any archaeological record exists comes from the middle of the 15th century. It is a primitive pince nez whose frames were made from pieces of either metacarpal bone from the forelimb of a bull or from large pieces of antler. Wait, what? Yep. Whoa. All right, like, I'm immediately, immediately suspicious because, I mean, the 1400s, all right, hmm, Hmm. but, like, Uh, did, oh, geez, there's just so many things that have to come together for that. That's amazing. Each paddle was split at one end to allow for the insertion of a lens, and the split was closed by a piece of copper wire. Wow. They're extremely light, but the tension in the rivet would have loosened over time, making them unable to stay on the nose. Paintings <laughs> depicting such frames date from as early as 1392 CE. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh. Although whenever I think I of Pinsnez see... stuff, I think of the jerk. The Oh, right. The oh, yeah. And how it just made people go cross-eyed eventually. Let's see here. Science, 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 blah, blah, blah. Oxford spectacles have an extra comma. The difference between Oxford spectacles and the pince-nez is not frequently drawn. The style was supposedly developed in the 19th century when a professor at Oxford accidentally broke off the handle from a pair of lorgnette spectacles and reputedly affixed two small nose pads to the frame and found that he could use the tension in the folding spring to perch them on his nose. Okay. So uh the the link to the um the the Renaissance uh Renaissance Pinsnes glasses goes to a book on Google like Google Books talking about the the art of spectacle making. And it includes nice. okay, a, a type of spectacle frame material used from the 14th century was horn, presumably cattle horn. In this case, we are fortunate in having a fairly complete description of a horn frame making in a Florentine carnival song. This was a carnival song of the early 16th century. So imagine, if you will, uh, you know, you got, you got your barkers, you got your, your marketplace, uh, you, got your, you got your people just yelling out, and uh, above the crowd comes a, a tune that everyone's familiar with, 
that uh, and, and you know just one strong strain of it, and then over time everyone joins in because they all know the words to this Florentine Carnival song about making glasses. Uh, it's it goes. Uh, I mean, guys, just join in when you remember the words here. But uh, we are all masters of spectacles, perfect and natural ones. We have various spectacles of every sight and every age. Willingly, we will teach this art to maidens and to married women and to veiled widows who want to learn to make spectacles. If there were a child who would also want to learn, we would teach him the whole art. They're really covering it. First, (laughs) straighten the horns, then cut and drill them until he knows how to make spectacles. Because... They are made by necromantic artifice and the planets of Mercury, Jupiter and Mars, herbal juices, and very secret. They make men wise when they use these spectacles. Oh I mean, God. it just goes on like that. But, yeah. I mean, we all know that it's it's a really common chorus. We all know the words. I mean, you know. Yeah. Wow. But it's nice to hear the old, the old classic sometimes. I suppose. <laughs> Let's see here. Those who have a husband who is old and jealous need certain mirror glasses through which they see their shame. They will make them appear to dream when they wear these spectacles. What? I don't know. I'm so confused. So let's see here. Famous characters with pince-nez glasses. Um, They've been in murder mysteries from Sherlock Holmes and... Uh, Hercule Poirot wears a of series course. of pince-nez. Morpheus yes. in the Matrix film trilogy. Famously. Oh, yeah. uh, Don Knotts title character in The Incredible Mr. Limpid who wears them both as a man and a fish. <laughs> fish don't have noses though. I mean it's it's better than like yeah I, I don't know what you would say Fit, uh, pin, pins gills? Uh, Scrooge McDuck? Mm. Pins, pins, mm, bills. pins bills, yeah, pins bills. Wow, uh, and of course, Doctor Eggman in Sonic the Hedgehog. Is that is that what he's wearing? I, I just always assume so. that it's like taped to his face yeah. or something. <laughs> so it's going to get me closer to rhinos. We are still going to rhinos, right? Yeah, that is. Yeah. That so is I the know idea. there's a robotic rhino enemy in Sonic, but I don't know if that's going to get me there. Tim, is it linked? Yeah, of course it's linked. Yeah. Why am I even asking that? But there's no uh, rhinos in the Matrix. Maybe. I will tell you, I worked so hard to try to pick a thing that will not take us anywhere near video games. Yeah, too bad. And somehow. You, you play with me, you get to video games. <laughs> somehow I did it. I'm checking. I'm checking other stuff. There were no rhinos in the Civil War. Thank God. I might go with just Scrooge McDuck. I know we've been there before. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, let's go back to Scrooge McDuck. All right. Uh, money, Sky. Money. Uh, do you know where the word money comes from? Is it Rome? Uh, it's believed to originate from a temple of Juno on hey. ca- on capital capital capitoline capitoline sure. one of Rome's seven hills. In the ancient world, Juno was often associated with money. Weird. The temple of Juno Montia at Rome was a place where the mint of ancient Rome was located. The name Juno may derive from the Etruscan goddess Uni, which means the one, unique, unit, 
Onion. Onion. <laughs> United. <laughs> I was going to try to make like a... a um, uh, like a a, a, a ver, uh, like a chunk a <laughs> yeah a complete is it complete unit I couldn't remember I can't what? remember an absolute yeah, unit it's an, an absolute, absolute unit. yes which is Sky. actually true yes we're talking about the one unique <laughs> an absolute unit um, Matias either the Latin word what I I heard the pause and like I could imagine like you just looking like doing the scanning the database for like a half second yep. and being like, like wait wait I'll wait. come back to it I'll come back to it <laughs> it's good that's very good um you know did you ever learn like I remember learning in like high school like well you know people used to not have money corp- or like cultures used to just like barter for stuff they just yeah. trade stuff and eventually they were like we should have money um sure no really uh, there's no evidence of a society or economy that relied primarily on bartering. Oh, uh, great. Instead, non-monetary societies operated largely among the principles of gift economy and debt. So um, money. <laughs> yeah. When bar- when barter did in fact occur, it was usually between either complete strangers or potential enemies. Whoa. Ooh. Whoa. That's, that's way cooler than I thought it was going to be. Eventually, Sorry, they, yeah, eventually um, cultures developed commodity money. Uh, we have the Mesopotamian shekel, the unit of weight, relied on the mass of something like 160 grains of barley. Um, Wait, hold on a second. Wikipedia says the mass of something like 160 yes. grains of barley, and then and then cites it yeah, specifically. Yep. So like, so so it, what is it? Wikipedia is it actually 160 grains, or is it something like 160 grains? I don't know. We have to watch. We'd have to read uh, Kramer's history begins at summer. I'm not doing so. that. I just read. I just read a real old song about making glasses. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm already. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, eventually, they commodity uh, evolved into representative money, like we got now. Um, citation needed, but also it's like history. Yeah. <laughs> like we 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 use bills and stuff now. So. <gasps> what I, they. I'm so proud of whoever wrote this page. Oh yeah, paper money or banknotes was were first used in China during the Song Dynasty. They they didn't not... take it back to Rome. Oh well, yeah, they've already yeah they already touched on it. But yeah, that's I good. mean yes, they but didn't... still, yep. I'm I'm just so proud. Give me a mm-hmm. second. <laughs> Go on. Um, there's four functions of money: medium well, okay. of exchange, measure of value, standard of deferred payment. Or store of value. In determining who lives and who dies. Nothing's oh, I mean... fun. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else we got here? Um, you want to you hear what a super bill is? Super dollars? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Actually, yes, I counterfeit. do. counterfeit. <laughs> uh, today, oh. some of the finest counterfeit banknotes are called super dollars because of their high quality <laughs> and likeness to the real U.S. dollar. <laughs> they have been... <laughs> yeah. Um, there have been significant what? counterfeiting of euro banknotes and coins since the launch of the currency in 2002, but considerably less than the U.S. dollar. Hmm. I mean, that's cited. Who's that cited to? It's a money thing.com. It's, huh. it's a website called it's a money thing.com. Well, cool. <laughs> um, I don't really want to talk about anything else uh, about money. I was hoping I would find like, ivory or something or 
cows. What about what about cows? You know, cows like cash cows like specifically. Cows. Rhinos. Um, what about cows? Cattle is, there, is the word cattle on here? It is not. Okay. Yes, this does out. actually seem to be a website that is literally just listing statistics about counterfeits. They don't say where they get this information. They don't seem to, or at least I haven't found it yet. Hang on. Oh, okay. They do have a list of sources. All right, all right, fine. It's possible that itsamoneything.com is an actual source. Um, I just got an idea. Possible. I'm not, not saying already. Currency. Can I just go to currencies? Let's see. Do 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 do. Are any of you linked? Highlighted currency. Let's I'd be see. surprised if not. Yeah, feel free to help me out. Yeah, um, hang on, I'm looking. Oh yeah, currency it's right at the top. Thirty nine. Thirty nine. At the times. very top, the very first time. Money supply uh, of a country consists of currency, banknotes, and coins, and depending okay. on the particular definition, you're clicking currency. I'm clicking currency. Got it. All right. Scrooge McDuck. Yep. See, you all know Scrooge McDuck. He's a duck. <laughs> he's rich. He's he's kind of a jerk. Other times, not so much of a jerk. Yeah. Depends on what the what the what the writers want him to be. I mean, he's he has a heart of gold that he keeps in a in a, in a vault somewhere. Yep. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, started appearing in comics. First appearance was in 1947. And he has been in comics since. As well as a new series of DuckTales, which I have not seen, but I've heard good things about. Yeah, same. Uh, But I want to point toward a certain story in 1950 called Trail of the Unicorn. What? First published in February 1950, introduced (gasps) Scrooge's Private Zoo. Wait. This brings up questions, friends. Oh my gosh. Uh, so does the world but of they... anthropomorphic animals have a desire for a zoo of non-anthropomorphic animals? I mean, is but a if zoo they are... just a jail? <laughs> I mean, I, that is kind of what a zoo is now, though. Well, yeah. But like, if they're all made of animals, if there are no humans, are they anthropomorphic, though, Tim? Because anthropomorphic means human-like. Like, that's... But if they're all animals, what... I mean, this this could be a big circle, is what is all I'm saying. It, I, think, I think the crux of this depends on whether the Beagle Boys are actually Beagles or just really ugly humans. I did always wonder that as a kid. Yep. <laughs> like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, so he has a private zoo. One of his pilots had managed to photograph the last living unicorn, which lived in the Indian amazing. part of the Himalayas. Sure, Scrooge offered a reward to competing cousins Donald Duck and Gladstone Gander, which would go to the one who captured the unicorn for Scrooge's collection of animals. Amazing. This is also the story that introduced Scrooge's private airplane. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. I mean, we would have assumed... It, I don't think it needs an introduction. Scrooge would be established as an experienced aviator. Donald had previously been shown as a skilled aviator. What? As was Flintheart Glomgold in later stories. In comparison, 
Huey, Dewey, and Louie were depicted as only having taken flying lessons. They're they're like eight, right? So like, give them some, give them some credit, cut them some slack. Jeez, Wikipedia. Okay, so I have two good leads here. I have Zoo. Hang on a second. Donald is a is an aviator. He like he's an actual like pilot. Apparently, he was shown uh, as a skilled aviator. I mean, he was in the Navy. Yeah. The Navy does have no. planes. That's not he's. Are Tim? Are you telling me that he actually does wear that sailor's costume for a reason? Like, yes. Yeah. What? Yes. Okay. Well, dude, <laughs> that's fine. Dude's a Navy man. Yeah. Oh my! He's gosh. a Navy okay. Drake. All right. What are you clicking, Tim? Uh, you so, do have two very good choices yeah, there's here. Zoo, oh, and then there's unicorn. Yeah. Unicorn's got a horn. Like a rhino. I'm going to click on unicorn. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I was glad. I wanted to go to zoo, but also I know this page has got to be ridiculous. Oh, it's so good. good. It's so good already. (laughs) The pictures are are perfect. Anyway, uh, currency. Do you know that we live in the banknote era? Do we? Banknote is a type of currency and is commonly used as legal tender in many jurisdictions. Right, right. So I'm going to tell you what it is. But okay, um, <laughs> there's just a lot of currencies. I work in currencies for a living. And I don't want to stay yeah. on this page much longer than I have to. That's fair. Um, uh, let's see, and, and it's not fun. Like none of this is fun. I'm not having a good time. <laughs> but what I I'm came sorry, here Sky. for, um, uh, and it's talking about Bitcoin here. It's come off it. Um, is Dog Coin on here? Dog Coin. Yes, Dogecoin. <gasps> oh, so good. Right, of course. I am mispronouncing this internet this internet phenomenon, Dogecoin. Yes. I... Oh, man, now I kind of want to <laughs> click on Dogecoin. I um, mean, do it, man. <laughs> no one's no, stopping you. No, what I came for is here. Um, oh, really? Yes. Uh, it is. It's in this table on the side that says most traded currencies by value. Can I click? And it's just on here. I got lucky. You're fine. You, am I good to click this? As the long as South Tim's fine African with it, I'm fine. Rand. What did you click on? Tim? I'm going to click on the South African Rand. It's in like a table of like the most traded currencies by value. And it's the 20th. Tim? Okay. I'm fine with it if you are. Yeah. Okay. Click Great. the South African Rand. Do you know what number one is the most traded? It's the, it's the United States. Yeah, of course it is. The nickel. The nickel. (laughs) The pudding cup. Ironically, uh, yeah, I was about to say, it's it's that. Or marbles, or like, or actually, what am I thinking? It's like something on Fortnite is what it is. Uh, Why am I even, why am I making this joke? It's a Fortnite joke. Time to see if they have any rhinos on their money. (laughs) Tim? The unicorn is a legendary creature. It has been described since antiquity as a beast with a single large pointed spiraling horn projecting from its forehead. Under under mythology in its uh, summary box, it says worldwide. It is <laughs> it is the pit bull of mythological creatures. It is Mr. <laughs> worldwide. Um so then the uh but the picture off to the right, this first one is so good. It's a I don't uh, I knew this was going to be good, but all right. So it's a it says, lady hugging um, a unicorn. The unicorn does not look 
too happy about this. It's a, the unicorn looks like he's just getting over a very bad cry about yeah. it. Yeah, like, like, he, like the unicorn. And then he said ju- that my horn was stupid, yeah. and he said that I couldn't play with them. <laughs> and then and they're <laughs> and the lady's she's like, like yeah, they're there. It's okay. And she's just there's just the slightest hint of oh god again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> poor little unicorn. Yep. Uh, in European folklore, the unicorn is often depicted as a white horse-like or goat-like animal with a long horn and cloven hooves, sometimes a goat's beard, such as, as in that painting. Yes. Uh, in the Middle Ages and Renaissance, it was commonly described as an extremely wild woodland creature, a symbol of purity and grace, which could be captured only by a virgin. <laughs> in the encyclopedias, its horn was said to have the power to render poisoned water potable and to heal sickness. Mm. In medieval and renaissance times, the tusk of the narwhal was sometimes sold as unicorn horn. Amazing. Ooh. We all, I mean, we knew that was coming, but like, oh my gosh, this picture here. Oh, this unicorn is prancing. Just give me a sec. Just prancing so good. Mm-hmm. It's got the, like, its front hoof is just like all the way out. <laughs> I think it's like... Jacuz is what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> this unicorn has decided, who, yeah, who the murderer is. I've called you all here for for a reason. Uh, uh, unicorns are not found in Greek mythology. Amazing! Suck it, Hell Greece. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, but rather in the accounts of natural history. For Greek writers uh. of natural history, were convinced of the reality of unicorns. Oh, so it is in Greek Sorry. history. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, we spoke too soon. We real, we assumed that they weren't stupid. They believed I'm unicorns sorry. lived in India, a distant and fabulous realm for them. So the the, Great. the Scrooge McDuck story sort of corroborate, corroborates that. <laughs> the earliest oh description gosh. is from Cessius, Cessius, yeah, who in his book Indica on India described them as wild asses, fleet of foot. Having a horn a cubit and a half in length and colored white, red, and black. Wow. They're just a wow. bunch of wild asses. Yep. Fleet of foot. He got his information uh, while living in Persia. Unicorns on a relief sculpture have been found in the ancient Persian capital of Persepolis in Iran. Aristotle must be following Cessius when he mentioned two one-horned animals, the oryx, a kind of antelope, and the so-called Indian ass. Um... Pliny the Elder, good old reliable Great. Pliny, good old mentions Pliny. the oryx and an Indian ox, parentheses, perhaps a rhinoceros, <gasps> as one-horned beasts, oh. as well as a very fierce animal called the monoceros, which has the head of the stag, <laughs> the feet of the elephant, and the tail of the boar, while the rest of the oh. body is like that of the horse. It makes a deep lowing <laughs> noise and has a single black horn, which projects from the middle of its forehead two cubits in length. Yeah, yeah, Bill, you're just talking about a rhinoceros. Yeah. I don't know what. No, no, what are you. I'm sorry. What are you calling it again? Monoceros. No, no, no. I mean, all the things you're saying, you're just. I, I know that sounds. You're, you're, that's just a rhinoceros. Yo, no, no. This thing only had one horn. It's a monoceros. No, that. I know. That's. No, we're saying the same thing. Rhin, rhinoceros. It. Uh, it doesn't mean there's more. It just it just has the one. It's fine. You can just call it a rhinoceros. But this was a monoceros. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Monoceros. 
Let's yeah, this guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm clicking on rhinoceros. Yes, of course you are. Good job. Uh, we're at the South South African Rand. It's the currency of South Africa. It did have a rhinoceros on it a few times. I could have clicked oh that, God. and I could have I could have been the winner. Aww. Sky, Instead, I'm so proud of you for pushing through. That's amazing. I'm here. Yep, that's what <laughs> seven years in the currency industry will get you. <laughs> Knowing what's on the Knowing coins. Knowing that the... South Africa has a currency that's at least popular enough to be in the top 20 most traded currencies. That's amazing. Uh, well, good, we all use job, our skills, Tim. man. Good job, Tim. Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, the rhinoceros, of course. Uh, rhinoceros, uh, meaning horn, nose horned from rice, meaning nose, and karis, meaning horn, commonly abbreviated to rhino. And I just really like that it's commonly abbreviated to rhino. Like, it, you know, just, yeah, just every day, you know, just on your daily, but otherwise, you know, in formal situations, you know, for packages, it's Mr. Rhinoceros, you know, <laughs> like, uh, but yes. I just think they're adorable. I'm sorry. I think they're very cute animals. They're they're enormous. They're basically tanks. Yes. Uh, but also, uh, I did not know this though. Uh, they yeah they have uh, an herbivorous diet, small brains for mammals of their size, one or two horns. I guess some of them are not monoceroses, and a thick protective skin formed of layers of collagen positioned in a lattice structure. So like they're literally wearing armor. Yeah. Um. And uh, here's the thing that I wasn't aware of. They eat, They generally eat leafy material. And although their ability to ferment food in their hindgut hmm. allows them to subsist on more fibrous plant matter when necessary. I'm sorry. Hindgut got me for a minute when I initially read this page. Wow. Yeah, I, hindgut's pretty serious. That's a word that I did not think existed or we or that we even had need need to know or need to have existed but yeah hindgut um anyway you guys you guys uh is there anything on this page that you actually want to share about rhinoceroses there's more than several types of rhinoceri oh yeah there's the white rhinoceros the black rhinoceros which you know are the commonly considered ones Oh, is it war? The Indian yes. rhinoceros, the Javan rhinoceros, which is one of the most endangered large mammals in the world, of which only mm. about 60 are estimated to remain since 2015. Oh my gosh, wow. Uh, yep. Though once widespread throughout Asia, by the 1930s they were nearly hunted to extinction in Nepal, India, Burma, Peninsular Malaysia, and Sumatra for the supposed medical powers of their horns and blood. Oh, of course. Uh, about 58 to 61 <clears throat> individuals remain in Ujung Kulan National Park in Java. Um, the last known Javan rhino in Vietnam was reportedly killed for its horn in 2011 by poachers. Now uh, only Java contains the last rhinos. Yeah. And then the Sumatran rhinoceros. About 275 of them are believed to remain. Which... Uh, it's terrible. Yeah, it is. That's awful. Especially if they're, uh, which is... if they're not really that, um, like, they are not known for, like, 
ravaging villages or anything. Oh no! Or being no, it's all about the horn. Unless you're like yeah, you know, no. threatening them. So yep. yeah, that's terrible. Which is um, why we have to get them in my in my cafe, and yeah. you know, white rhinos you know, have broad, flat lips for grazing, whereas black right. rhinos have long, pointed lips for eating foliage. Mm. Nice. Do you know what the collective noun for a group of rhinos would be once you have them in your cafe? Oh no! What is it? I think I know. It's it's crash or herd. Yeah, yeah. One of those is much better than the other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this makes me very excited. Yeah. Oh good man. Good job, Tim. Yeah, way to go, Tim. Thank you. Good work, both of you, though. That was a really good run. I, I honestly did not know who was going to be able, who was going to get there first. I thought you both had a, had a tough push for a little while. So well done. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you want to hear us uh, wax about, you know, rhinos and pince-nez glasses uh, more, you can check out our past episodes. Uh, you can check us out online at wow. wskbcast.blogspot.com. Uh, you can look us up on Twitter at wskbcast. Uh, you can look us up uh, on Apple Podcasts or whatever they're calling it today. Um, and, you know, while you're there, uh, if you want to leave us a review, that would be pretty cool of you. We would always appreciate that. Um, and if you want to share with share this with a friend, that even they'd be even cooler. Um, we also have the have a Facebook page. We don't really use that much, but it's there. No. It uh, if you want, if you want to search for, we should know better. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, guys, I I I you know I'm so glad we got to do this run together tonight because this gave me enough time to put together the business plans. Uh, the business plans for our for these various cafes, and I have a surprise for you. In that I'm going to actually build all three of them together, oh. and we can do yeah we'll be able to have the the seal hippo seal hippo rhino cafe. Oh, it's gonna get wild, mm. Buck wild. Uh, as it should, as it should. Because we're also gonna have so. deer. Deer? Whoa! What? When did that happen? Nothing. <laughs> no reason. So I just said buck wild is gonna get buck wild. Oh, buck wild! Like, Very we're good. Gonna have deer. So, yeah, I missed. I missed you saying that. Sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, that is what we would have to call that that cafe. That that has to exist, right? A, a deer cafe. Um, um. So I will tell you that part of my inspiration in pulling this together mm-hmm. uh, is that when I was searching Michelin stars, and part of the reason that I know there aren't a ton of U.S. ones is that I was searching these lists. Uh, I was like, yeah, I know ca- cafes are pretty new, but. There's got to be at least one on this list, right? Turns out, not a single animal cafe of any kind is on a Michelin star, has received a single Michelin star. Wow. Surprise. So, I am a little surprised, honestly. Um, But that took me to a bunch of different lists about different types of animal cafes. And I I very nearly had you guys guess, like do an opening game of like, Mm-hmm. what types what is a real one and what isn't and it just got weird enough i was like no this isn't worth it <laughs> um because it's it's like goats owls uh, you know hedgehogs like anything anything that you can imagine wanting to climb on you or that you want to pick up it's a cafe now mm. so yep. uh but i'm i'm very glad that neither of you picked animals that you know i mean I suppose some of these would want to climb on some people. So, hey, we can help make that happen. Anyway, I'm going to work on these business plans. You guys have a good night. <laughs> Thanks. Great. We're looking, I'm looking forward to 
that check in the mail. Bye. Oh, yeah, of course, yes. <laughs>send you some okay. uh some south african rands <laughs> yeah right it almost sounds uh, like a salad dressing oh it kind of does doesn't it mm-hmm.